Good morning, brothers and sisters in the faith. Your needs have all been met through the fullness of Christ. God has given you it all. And with that in mind, let's meditate on his word from Philippians chapter 4. There's a story about a man who puts a sign out in front of his house that says, I will give this house to the first person that can prove to me that they are completely content. A couple of days went by, and finally somebody came knocking at his door, and he says, I'm here to take you up on your offer. I want your house. To which the man said to him, well, are you completely content? The man at the door said, I'm completely content. I have everything that I need. I have a good family. I have a good paycheck. I have a car. I don't have a need in the world. To which the man at the door said, well, if you're completely content, then why do you want my house? (laughs) Contentment is having no need at all. In fact, contentment is wanting only what God has given you, what you have. And we're talking about contentment this week because if you're just joining us over the airwaves or otherwise, we're in the middle of a sermon series called Three Things You Cannot Do With Mammon. That word mammon is anything and everything that you have from your salt shaker to your Subaru to your stocks to the street address to your properties to everything, everything big and small in between is your mammon, what God has given you on loan for you to have in this life. Last week we talked about um, what mammon is, and it's not yours. Mammon comes from God and it belongs to him. And this week we talk about mammon, and it cannot bring you contentment. It cannot bring you ultimate peace in your heart, the things that we have in this world. To start off the discussion about mammon and contentment, let's uh, do a little exercise. This is a really neat piece of uh, journalism done by uh, two people, Peter Menzel and Faith D'Aluzio. They get the credit for doing this. Their project was called Hungry Planet, and they went around the world into the homes of people in different countries, asking them to show them what they would eat on a weekly basis. They put that food out in front of them, they took a picture of the family, and then they, they, they reported how much that family spends per week on groceries. Has anybody seen that report before? It's pretty eye-opening, and let's do it right now. Just a little sample of that report to think about contentment and to think about the cupboards that we open around the world so that we can open up our own cupboards and see in our life what's in those cupboards too. Here's the first picture. Uh, It's from Italy. This is the Manzo family. You can see them. They live in Sicily. Uh, Nice family. Does anybody want to guess how much per week they spend on groceries? You can shout it out. Just a guess if you want. 200, uh, nope, I'm looking for more than 200, more than 200, more than 200, 260, close, yeah, they, they spend $260 U.S. dollars on their groceries per week. The next family that we look at is in Germany, it's the uh, Melander family, prices are a little higher up in Europe, and uh, this, this family, how much do you want to guess that they spend on their brats and their cold cuts, what? 350 up higher than 350 one more guess 400 500 dollars 500 dollars per week on groceries in Germany that's the current rate that they pay we go across the uh, the the pond to Mexico and this is the Casales family now we're in the Americas does anybody want to guess how much this family spends on their food bill every week 
Higher than 60, double it and then some, $189 per week. All right, back over the ocean, back to Egypt. This is the Ahmed family. You can take a look, meet the Ahmed family. They are nice people. How much do you think they spend on their grocery bill per week? Shout it out. A little less than 80, close, $70, $70. You're seeing a trend now, right? You're seeing a trend as we go along. This is Ecuador, the Amy family. They look like a nice uh, group of people to, that, that would be nice to have dinner with. How much do they spend on their grocery bill every week? Yes, somebody said it. Pat, you got it, $30, $30. And now let's go to South Asia. This is Bhutan and the Namgai family. Any guesses? Low, lower, lower than 15. Take $10 off and you have it. $5 a week that they spend on their grocery bill. Okay. Or on their food. Uh, maybe they're getting their food from the ground at that point. It looks like some great stuff that's organic. Now we go to Chad. Uh, this isn't our staff minister, Chad. This is the country of Chad. Cindy had her eyes open like, you're not going to tell them our grocery bill, are you? All right, Central Africa, the Abu Bakr family. Any guesses on how much they spend on groceries? Lower than $2. 123 123 on food. They take their food right from the ground, and then they probably eat better than everybody else in the world. Now, well, there's one country that we forgot about. What country? U.S. Let's, watch, let's see it. This is North Carolina. You go from the, the, the plains of Africa to the fine spreads that we eat, pizza and Burger King. What do we Americans spend on our groceries per week, do you believe? This is the Rivas family from North Carolina. You say 450 you're close. 481 $481 that we spend on just the food in our houses. That's the cupboard. That's our pantries. That's not all of our mammon. That's just some of it. Now let me ask you, did those families that didn't have much or spent very little on their groceries, did they seem any less content than the families that spend $400 and $500 on their groceries? No? Not in those pictures, at least. How content a man is, is not how much he has, but on how little he needs. And Paul says it this way in Philippians 4. He's had the cupboards that you saw there that were full. He's been rich and he's been well-fed. He's been poor. He's, he's lived on a little bit before. And he's had almost nothing. He's had both of those cupboards. And he says that he's found the secret to contentment in any and every situation. And it's not wrapped up if he has the latest iPhone. And it's not wrapped up if he's homeless because at times he nearly was. His contentment is wrapped up in something bigger. And I want you to open up your cupboards of your life now. Think about your pantry, perhaps, but think about everything that you have under your possessions, in your possessions. Do you find contentment in how much you have or on how little that you need? The answer to contentment this morning that Paul talks about is found only in a Savior God who brings us full and complete contentment. That song that we just sang, that, that song of our Savior that fills us up. And he talks about it beautifully in Philippians. Uh, Philippians, the background to the book is this. 
Paul is writing this upbeat, friendly letter to friends that are living in this town that's in modern-day Greece called Philippi. It's a remote town, um, and he's done ministry there. He's done missionary work. He's gotten some friends. He writes them a letter explaining the, uh, the fullness of the gospel, this, this encouraging gospel. And he says no less than 11 times throughout this book, rejoice. In fact, that's the whole theme of the book. And he says it in the last chapter when he's giving these greetings to friends. He reminds them again, rejoice. And these are the words that, that really summarize the whole book of the Philippians. It's up on the screen, Philippians 4, verse 4. Let's read it together. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again rejoice. Now that's a shocking thing for Paul to say because he's not exactly in a situation where he should be rejoicing. He's in house arrest. He has a Roman guard looking over his shoulder and he can't be going out and doing all the things that he wants to do, meeting with people, catching up with people at the churches that he started or starting new, new missions around Asia Minor like he was, but he's under house arrest and he's writing letters. But he says, it doesn't matter if my cupboard's empty. I'm going to rejoice and you too, Philippians, can rejoice too because you can find contentment in the gospel. So that's the background to the whole book of Philippians. And starting at verse 10, we're in the last uh, chapter of this short little happy book. And it says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you, Philippians, renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. Let's pause right there and unpack that. Paul, throughout his ministry, considered himself a full-time missionary, but at the same time, he did build tents to make a living. Sometimes he might have done it part-time, maybe he did it full-time, we don't really know, but we know that he worked so that he could keep on bringing the gospel to people. He not only built tents, but he also received gifts from congregations like the Philippians. They would see the work that he was doing, and then they would say, we want to give towards your mission work. And so the Philippians are one of those people that said, we want to give money towards your missionary work. They tried to, it seems, he says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me, but something happened, uh, but you had no opportunity to show it. In other words, their hearts were ready to support him. But either one of two things happened. Either they had the, the, the love to give and they didn't have the funds at that time. We learned in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 that might have been the case. Or there was no outgoing UPS truck at Philippi at this time. You see, Philippi was a remote city and if you ever wanted to ship things or get things out to your friends or to your relatives, you had to wait until a courier or somebody was leaving and going to another city and then you would pay that person to bring that gift. Well, whatever the reason was, they had no opportunity to show it. They wanted to give this gift. They couldn't, but their heart was in the right place, which tells us something about the Philippians. Whether they were poor or whether they just couldn't get the gift to Paul, Paul says they were concerned and their hearts wanted to give they were content. And Paul is gushing about contentment in this whole section. And he and the Philippians have this common grace of contentment that he's sharing with them. Verse 11, I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. In other words, Paul says, my cupboard has been full and my cupboard has been empty. And I still find contentment. 
Now, if you don't have a lot, maybe you're sitting out there or maybe you're hearing this over the airwaves. If you don't have a lot of mammon and you're struggling because you live in poverty, I'm not saying keep your chin up and be happy just for the sake of being happy. That's not the secret to contentment that he's talking about here. Poverty is a real trial. I talked to a gentleman uh, a while ago. His name was James, and he was living out of his truck. And he told me that since he's lost all of his money and since he's become homeless, all of his family has left him. His kids won't talk to him. They're so embarrassed about the situation. That's a serious thing. That's a big deal not to have money and to be homeless. That's a trial. But on the flip side, on the other side of the coin, to have money, to have a lot of mammon, isn't necessarily going to bring you contentment. And it's not necessarily going to bring you happiness. You can just ask a man that won the lottery. His name was Mark Gardner. He won the lottery in the UK and he won $35 million. But do you know what happened to his life after he won all that money? His marriage went on the rocks. All of his friends, he lost them all because they all became jealous and expected things from him. And he would have given all that money back to have the life that he used to have. But whether you're on either side of that coin or maybe somewhere in the middle looking for contentment, Paul says you can find contentment, and it's in verse 13, the secret to his contentment. He says, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. And he's talking about Jesus, his Savior. This verse, maybe you uh, teen athletes, maybe you might post this verse, I can do all things through him who gives me strength on your locker, or maybe you use it as a motivation to get through some kind of struggle in your life, or maybe to beat addiction, and that's great and all, but look at this verse in context. It's actually more about contentment than it is about all those other things. Because if I'm a James living out of my truck, this verse is saying to me, it's not about your situation. It's not about living out of your truck. It's about your Savior who is your strength, who's sitting in the driver's seat, who puts his arm around you and who says, you can do this through me who gives you strength. You can live with a little bit because I'm your all in all. And then I can say, I can do this through him who gives me strength. And on the flip side, if I have a lot of wealth and I'm worried about keeping it, I can have a Savior who sits with me and who says, I've given you all that wealth, and I've given you everything that you need, and I can take all of that away, and if I do, I'm still going to be here in the driver's seat of your life too. And I can be totally content saying to myself, with everything that I have in the world, I'm going to be content, not because of the mammon or the wealth that God might or might not take away from me, but I can be content because my Savior is driving my life, and he's my contentment. I can get through this through him who gives me strength. It really gets down to this. In chapter 3, just a chapter before, Paul says this about his contentment. This is what's at the center of his whole life, whether he's rich or whether he's poor. Um, He says in in Philippians 3, 7-9, But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. And he has lost a lot. He's in prison right now. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, 
not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. What Paul is saying is that his contentment isn't wrapped up in how much mammon he has, but his contentment is wrapped up in his Messiah. And that his happiness doesn't ebb and flow with whether he gets something or he doesn't get any something. But his contentment is that his Savior's love is consistent and always there. Always lifting him up. Never letting him fall. And that's where your contentment is too. It's not in your mammon. It's in your Messiah who came down to you in your sin and said, I forgive you. I accept you. I make you clean and I make you my own. I give you treasures in heaven. I give you my word to give you guidance. I give you my promises. And I'm never going to leave you. And that's what gives us true contentment. He says in verse 14. Now note in your, in your service folder that it goes on to, to verse 17, but we cut 17 out by accident. It's up on the screens if you will follow along after verse 16. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. For even that when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. A content heart is a heart that shares. And that's what the Philippians are doing here. They're not content to take the riches that they do have and to keep it to themselves, but to give and to give and to give because that's the heart that their Messiah, that their Savior has put into them. And it's no coincidence that Paul talks about the Savior God who owns all things. I mean, think about all of the wealth of the world. The richest person in the world, Bill Gates, worth $78 billion dollars. The richest country in the world is Qatar with a, uh, a per capita GDP, which is an average income of $100,000. And the richest terrorist group in the world, ISIS, $2 billion in growing. Now, here's the thing about all the money in the world. God owns it all, and it's all his. That's what our sermon was of last week. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, even all of those dollars that, that those rich people have. But you know what? God was not content to own everything. But instead of holding on to it, he actually gave everything up when he sent his son. And that's why it says in Philippians chapter 2, just a couple chapters before that, God was not content to live in richness, but he made himself a servant and he humbled himself to the point of death, even death on the cross. That's the heart that Jesus has, the heart that gives to you, constantly gives to you, not content with living in his richness, but more content to give to the need that you and I had. And that's the heart that Paul brought with the gospel to the Philippians when he started their church, and he's just so happy that they're sharing in that same gospel, that their works are alive. And that's why he says in in verse 17, not that I desire your gifts, what I desire is that more be credited to your account, or if you guys, if you're any bookworms out there, there's this other translation called the English Standard Version that says this, uh, it says, I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. In other words, fruit is a term that is used in investing. There's a principle, and then there's the interest that gains on top of that. Paul says the, the principle is your Savior and everything that he put down for you, but I'm interested in seeing your faith grow fruit on it. I'm interested in seeing the, in, in seeing the principle grow in interest and in seeing the gospel that started in you, that's in you, that's implanted in you, the promises of the gospel 
start to share with other people. That's the fruit of the Spirit that he sees going out into the world. And he's happy for that. A content heart is a heart that gives, just like the Savior that gave to you. And finally, he says here, verse 18, I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts gifts you sent. The Philippians not only sent gifts, but they sent a person, Epaphroditus, to help Paul. And he says, you met all of my needs that I need. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Take note of that verse that's in bold in your service folder. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. And then, look on the screen and tell me, have you ever seen this man before? Do you know who, who this is? Anybody? Not there yet? It's up on there. It's coming. Anybody, ever, anybody know who this is? Warren Buffett, one of the top five richest people in the world today. He's made his fortune off of Berkshire Hathaway. He is worth $73 billion, yeah, with a B, dollars. To put that in us poor people terms, um, let's imagine that a 40-year-old gets Warren Buffett's estate. That 40-year-old would have to spend $500,000 per day for the rest of his life to exhaust Warren Buffett's estate. I don't even know if I could do that, if I could try. Okay, so let's imagine for a minute that you have a cause you have a charity that you want to go to Warren Buffett and say, Mr. Buffett, I need you to give to my charity. It's a really important charity. It's a really great charity. It helps a lot of people. Maybe it's breast cancer. We're in Breast Cancer Awareness Month. But you go to him with your charity in mind, and you sit at his desk. Somehow you get an audience with him. You're sitting there at the desk with, with, with Mr. Buffett behind it, and you ask him, Mr. Buffett, could you please, considering who you are and what you have, could you please give to my charity? And you wait with bated breath as he pulls out out of his drawer his checkbook and he opens it up and your eyes light up. He's going to write a check. He starts writing a check and he signs his name and he rips it out of that little checkbook and he hands it over to you. You take it and he's written you a check for $10. (laughs) What would you say to Mr. Buffett? Would you say thank you? (laughs) <laughs> you might say thank you if, you, if, if you're taking every dime, but you know Mr. Buffett. You know what he has. And you know he could do better than $10. You'd hand that check back to him and you would say, Mr. Buffett, you gave out of your riches, but I'm asking you to give according to your riches. Now look at that verse again. You're coming to God and you're saying, God... I have a need. God does not give out of his riches and he doesn't cut you checks for $10 when you know that he owns the whole world, the world is his and everything in it. When you open up your cupboard and you say, God, I need, I need, I need, look at this verse. He's fulfilled it and he says in his word that he's taken all of his riches and he hasn't given out of his riches but he's given according to his riches and who has he given it to? To you. To you, exactly what you need in your cupboard. 
whether it's full, whether it's empty, or anything in between, your cupboard is full of God's grace and his full riches that are in Christ Jesus, who's taken away your sin and given you riches in life and in heaven, spiritually, forever. So open up your cupboards and be content. Your Savior's there. Amen.